Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Christmas week here at Talk Buffalo Podcast. Of course, Talk Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. And like I said, Christmas week here. Uh, coming up in just a minute or two, I got some takeaways in regards to the Buffalo Bills their victory over Carolina on Sunday and looking forward to a huge game against the New England Patriots, a rematch on Sunday. This is going to be, and I'm going to let you know right off the bat here, a very short episode today. I'm going solo. I just got back from Florida. It's also my son's birthday. Christmas week is just a bunch of craziness going on. And quite frankly, did not have the time to even go out and get a guest for this podcast. And of course, other people are busy as well. So this will be quick. And like I said, I just got some general thoughts, some some takeaways, a little stock up, stock down with a couple of Bills players. And uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. Now, later this week, typically I do Casual Friday with Joe Yurden. Still doing that, but we're going to drop that episode on Thursday. So look for that on Thursday instead of Friday. Friday is Christmas Eve. Quite frankly, I don't think too many of you out there are going to be listening to this podcast or any podcast on Christmas Eve. Diddle the following week for New Year's Eve, which is also on a Friday. So the next two casual Fridays with Joe Yurden are actually going to be casual Thursdays with Joe Yurden. So make sure you you look for that. Quickly here, I just want to say it's good to be back home in Buffalo, but man, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a really good trip down to Florida this time around. Um, I was gone for like, I don't know, five days or so. I had to go down there for some work reasons, but I got to enjoy plenty of social time as well. Many friends that I made down there living in Sarasota, like I did for the past five plus years. Uh, good times, great weather. It's a lot of fun. And also I did get to watch the Bills Panthers game on Sunday at a bar with a bunch of friends, which was really cool because many of them are Bills fans, but there's also, I got friends, of course, Florida, the big transplant state fans of a bunch of other teams, but it was fun to gather with all of them, uh, watch the game. Really cool. You know, I, I came to love living in Florida over the last year or so that I was there. Hated it the first four years. Got homesick. Couldn't get back to Buffalo soon enough. And I'm so happy to be back in Buffalo. But anyway, good people, good times. I'm not saying Florida's better than Buffalo. I'm not saying it's it's worse than Buffalo or anywhere else for that matter, man. It's just, it's a different feeling. Like I said, a different vibe. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Never say never. When it comes to me uh, going back to Florida again someday to live, who knows? But anyway, I'm happy to be here in my hometown of Buffalo. I, I will say one other thing about Florida, though, and it's something I hated when I lived there, and I hated it as a visitor this time around. We're almost at Christmas here, and shit just doesn't feel like Christmas down in Florida. I mean, yeah, it's lit up nice. Cosmetically, the streets are lit. 
Uh, palm dreams are lit. It looks like a looks like a scene from a great movie. But be that as a try, it just it doesn't feel like Christmas. At least not to me. Somebody who grew up north here in Western New York. Now maybe if you're from Florida, you grew up in Florida, and that's what you're used to. 80 degrees on a week before Christmas, palm trees with Christmas lights on them, stuff like that. If you're used to it, that's fine. And look, I hate being cold. It's no secret. And I'll never not hate being cold, but I'll tolerate it. I'll tolerate it in December because, you know, jackets and and, uh, scarves and gloves and, of course, snow when you can get it. That's real Christmas for me. And that's where real Christmas is at when it comes to me and, and how I feel. Now, I can see myself being a, a snowbird someday. I'm sure maybe some of you already are. For those who may not know the term snowbird, what, what that means, a snowbird is, uh, is people that go down to Florida or go down somewhere south when it's cold up in the north. And then they come back up north when the weather up north starts to get nice because Florida summers are excruciating, sometimes insufferably hot, and it rains every single day. I don't know if people tell you about that. We all know that Florida's hot in the summer. But I don't know if you knew this. It rains every uh, freaking day. Anyway, I, I certainly see why many people do it. Don't know, quite frankly, how so many people can afford it. That's the whole thing. Like, how do you keep two places year round or even one year round and one for a half a year? But man, Florida's perfect weather-wise for about, I don't know, five months of the year, maybe. And and then again, it could be like insufferably hot. So this is the perfect time to be back in Buffalo in the summer is anyway, weather-wise, this is right now because of Christmas. And being a snowbird, of course, is uh, easier said than done. But I don't know, just something on my mind right now. And anyway, one other thing too, and then I want to dive into some bills. And like I said, this is going to be quick, so don't count on being here very long. I got to congratulate. I did last week, but I, now that the wedding's done, I want to congratulate him again. My buddy, uh, frequent guest on this podcast, Joe from Queens, got married over the weekend, got married in Rochester. Wish I could have been there. I was invited and I would have loved to have went, but work called in Florida. I had to go down to Florida primarily for some work reasons. Of course, I had some fun, but primarily it was to go down for work. I wish I would have been there, man. Uh, looked like really good times. Seen a ton of pics on his Facebook, his Twitter. And it's great to see Joe look so happy, especially because dude is such a miserable prick on Twitter and, and you know, sometimes on this podcast as well. But for real, he's a good dude. And I've told you this many times. Real life, the real life Joe from Queens is actually... Uh, a really good guy. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Melanie. And it was uh, really cool to see. All right, enough of that. And I want to get into today's episode and then get you out of here. Joy Christmas week, folks. The Bills beat the Carolina Panthers 31 to 14. I got five primary takeaways. Here's what I want to do. I got five primary takeaways. I'm going to run them down, then discuss each for a minute or two. And then I got a handful of players in the spirit of Sal Capaccio, my buddy from WGR, who likes to have arrows up, arrows down. We'll call this stock up, stock down. I got a handful of players that I think are on the rise and a handful of players that are, I think their stock's down, a little bit worried about them. And then I got a couple of big picture things. Look forward to New England quickly. And then a couple things around the league, things that people are talking about, whether I agree or whether I disagree with them. But anyway, let's go back to the top. So five takeaways, my big five takeaways from this Bills game. And again, we'll discuss I'm going to run through these and then I'll discuss them in at least a little bit of detail after that. Number one, a really ugly first quarter for the Bills offense, but I never felt at any point of the game like the Bills were in serious trouble, like they were in legitimate 
jeopardy of losing. That was my first takeaway. My second one, which is kind of tied to my first point, Cam Newton is just an absolutely horrific NFL starting quarterback. If I'm the Carolina Panthers at this point, that experiment, that feel-good story, that's over. That's over. Get Sam Darnold back. Get Walker some snaps. You'll learn a lot more about your football team and these players than you will with Cam Newton at quarterback. That has to be over. He is just god-awful, at least when it comes to passing the football. That's two. Number three, Deion Dawkins. I think, and he's had an up-and-down season, but I think without question, the Buffalo Bills, the media, the fan base, I think we learned just how valuable Deion Dawkins is to this football team by his absence on Sunday. Sometimes it takes an absence of a player to realize how valuable he really is. I think we found that out Sunday. Number four, I think the Buffalo Bills are better off with Emmanuel Sanders off the field at this point. And it's not because I think Emmanuel Sanders isn't a pretty good NFL wide receiver, even at 34 years old. I say this because Gabriel Davis is your second best wide receiver. He's your second best wide receiver. He needs to start. He needs those reps. He needs to be on the field, whether Emmanuel Sanders is injured or whether Emmanuel Sanders is healthy. Also, semi-related to that, I'm not sure how much Cole Beasley has left. I think he's been slowed down by injuries, which has happened for a couple of years. Maybe it's his size, the position he plays. In fact, I'm sure it's both of them. Just the wear and tear on his body through the years, but I'm not quite sure how much he has left. And I'm not sure at this point how much of an upgrade in the slot he even is over Isaiah McKenzie at this point. Uh, and then the last point, point five. Look, you got to talk about Josh Allen. Here's my takeaway. It's scary to think of how good Josh Allen would be on this football team. And he already is really good. But it's scary to think of how good he could be if this offensive line just had consistent, steady, above average O-line play. Folks, Josh Allen makes up for a lot of offensive deficiencies on this football team. A lot. So there's my five takeaways. And again, I want to jump into them just for a minute for each. The first one, going back, ugly first quarter for the Bills office, but never felt like they were in serious trouble. I just didn't feel like Carolina was going to win this game. And this was, if this was a Bills legitimate must-win home game, and it was, it didn't feel that way to the Bills. I didn't see panic. Now, they weren't playing well. Again, the offense, especially in the first quarter, really bad. Really bad offense early on. But it never felt to me like this team felt tight, like they felt the pressure to win. It never felt to me at any point that Carolina was going to win this football game. I never got to the point where it's like, oh boy, if this comes out into the last four or five minutes of the game and Cam Newton has a football, I'm legitimately worried. I mean, we lost to Jacksonville. We lost a couple games we should have won this year. Pittsburgh. I'm really concerned about this game. I'm scared we're going to lose. I never felt that way. I never felt that way at all. And again, I think it's also ties into point two. Maybe I would have felt different with a better quarterback. I just don't think Cam Newton is any good. And I didn't think he was good last year. In fact, I said last year, 
I think he is the worst passer of the football in the NFL. And he still is. He's terrible. And I don't care what the numbers say because they look okay. 16 to 38 passing, 156 yards, a touchdown, a pick. But some of the ugliest damn misses you're ever going to see. I mean, when he misses, he misses not by a little bit. He misses by yards. He misses by many yards. Throwing the ball, bounce passes, throws at your ankle, throws eight feet over your head. Late deliveries. Just a horrible passer of the football. And yeah, he ran for 71 yards, 15 carries, had a touchdown. But he really, really hurt the Bills with his leg. Now I know he moved the chains a couple times. He did score a touchdown too. But at no point in the game was, was I like, man, Cam Newton with his legs. He's really going to beat us. Just not good. Carolina feels like a good football team to me too. So when I say, you know, hey, I never felt they were in danger. It's not because of the defense. I think their defense is very legit. And they certainly got weapons on offense. But if you got no quarterback, none of that matters. Bills fans know that. We saw that shit for 17 years, right? None of that matters. If I'm Carolina, Cam Newton is not starting another football game. He's just horrible. Uh, number three. This might actually be the biggest of the five takeaways here. Deion Dawkins. I said we learned how valuable he is to this football team. He is. And he's had an up and down year. He had COVID. Looked really shitty early on. Then he looked strong. He's kind of been a little up and down. Although, you know, the people who know what they're talking about, people more in the know, they've said that Deion Dawkins might be playing better than a lot of fans, a lot of critics thinks he is. And I, I believe it. But I'll tell you what, again, his presence in the lineup was missed on Sunday because that offensive line was a disaster. Darrell Williams kicked out from right guard to right tackle. Cody Ford gets inserted into the starting lineup. Mitch Morris, of course, at center. Ike Bakker at left guard, who started in place of John Feliciano. Played COVID, who, by the way, didn't just have COVID. We've learned on Tuesday that he actually was in the ER because he had COVID on Sunday. And he is vaccinated. We'll see how that plays out. First and foremost, hopefully, you know, he's fully healthy and everything. But Spencer Brown, a rookie who I thought has played very well at right tackle, quite frankly, given the fact he's a third-round rookie and didn't expect anything from him this year. I thought he's played pretty damn well at right tackle. In fact, when he was out with COVID, we saw the line play, play like shit with him out. And so he's back, but now he had to go to the left. And he ain't ready for that, folks. He ain't ready for that. Spencer Brown ain't ready for left tackle. Not right now. And it's not his fault. Again, he is a rookie, first and foremost. It's hard enough to play any position in the offensive line in the NFL, especially when you're a rookie. But he takes the majority of his snaps now at right tackle. So for him to move to the left, because Deion Dawkins only went out with COVID not long before the game, a couple days before the game. So he was bad. Brian Burns ate him alive. Everyone ate him alive. He was bad. Bad in pass pro. I think he had three holding calls. He had that really stupid tawny penalty, which I think he'll learn from. That's... You got to live with the good and bad when it comes to a player like Spencer Brown. He's an emotional dude. That won't be the last time he does something dumb like that. But I'll live with that for the most part. But he was really bad. And that offensive line without Deion Dawkins is night and day different. When you got Deion Dawkins, a healthy Deion at left tackle, and Spencer Brown at right tackle, and you can get Cody Ford's ass out of the lineup, put Darrell Williams at right guard where I think he belongs. Now, Darrell Williams' credit didn't really hurt the Bills too much at right tackle. 
on Sunday. But Williams at guard, Luciano or Bacher, I guess, at, at left guard, Morch at center, that's your best offensive line. So with Deion Dawkins out, I think that had a lot to do with why the, again, Carolina is a good defense, though, but they got the Josh, they sacked him four times, they pressured him many, many more times. Not a good day for the Bills offensive line, at least pass blocking wise with, uh, without Deion Dawkins. Fourth point, the Emmanuel Sanders gave Davis thing. Look, I like Emmanuel Sanders. Good guy, pretty good receiver. I don't like want him. I want him healthy. I want him available. There might come points in the game down the road where he's needed. Somebody goes down or just you have four receivers out there, whatever. Emmanuel Sanders can make a play to help the Bills win a football game. But right now, at this point of the season, Gabe Davis needs to be out there. If you got your 11 personnel with two receivers, Gabe Davis should be the second receiver. Simple as that, man. Simple as that. Gabe Davis is a game-changing, game-impacting wide receiver. And I don't feel, at this point anyway, Emmanuel Sanders is. Plus, I don't know, for whatever reason, the offense, maybe Josh is trying too hard to get the ball to Emmanuel Sanders, keep the ball distribution a little more even. I don't know. To me, the Bills' offense actually looks better when Gabe Davis is out there. We saw it, especially in the second half against Tampa and at points of this game in Carolina. Gabe Davis, to me, is just a better wide receiver right now than Emmanuel Sanders. So healthy or not, Sanders should be on the sidelines at least a lot more than he has been, and Gabe Davis should be in the lineup. But then again, last point here, uh, Josh Allen. I just, man, you know, the numbers are good, very good. Three touchdowns. He played a very good game. I thought minus one really bad interception, which quite honestly, you can't blame the line. Can't blame anyone except Josh. It was a bad decision and a bad throw. And again, you just kind of like how I talked about with Spencer Brown, where he's going to make a couple boneheaded things. That's just Josh too. Hate to say it, but it's true. Josh plays a little hero ball too much sometimes, and he's going to make mistakes. But you live with that because he makes throws. That touchdown, that first touchdown to Gabe Davis, didn't look like it had any chance of getting completed. There's very few quarterbacks who can make that throw when Josh did. That's what you get with Josh. So don't get me wrong. I'll take the good with the bad, the occasional bad. But my point is this. Josh was sacked four times. Josh was rushed a lot more than he needed to be. And I just, I shudder to think sometimes that as good as he is, and he is in the upper tier quarterbacks right now, that if this offensive line was just a little more than just competent, he would be... Literally, in my opinion, as good as Patrick Mahomes and quite possibly the most dominant offensive football player in the entire NFL. I, I think that highly of Josh Allen. And man, I just wish uh, I wish this line was a little bit better. But anyway, those are my five big takeaways. I'm going to take a really quick break. And then I got a little bit of stock up, stock down, big picture, and then a couple things from around the league. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back. I want to be a man of my word and not take up much more of your time. Got stock up, stock down. A handful of guys on each side of the ball that I think, uh, well, self-explanatory, folks. They either their stock's up or their stock's down. Start with stock up. First one's obvious. I've already talked about him a couple times today. Gabriel Davis, five catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. He is a game-changing wide receiver. He is a game-impacting wide receiver. Forget the two touchdowns. He also had a hell of a sideline toe drag catch. I don't remember if it was the second or third quarter, but it was, it was on a, a pretty important drive. I think this guy's a money football player. And again, I think he needs to be a big part. Forget the offseason. Everyone's already talking about Gabe Davis should be wide receiver two this offseason and go add some depth. That's fine. The Bills are trying to win a championship right now. Have the best players on your field right now. And let's worry about right now, right now. We'll worry about the future in the offseason. Gabe Davis, folks, without question, is the second best receiver to me on the Buffalo Bills. So his stock's up. Another guy whose stocks, or stock is up, Boogie Basham. Played 36 snaps, 47%. Didn't register any like meaningful stats, no sacks. But I liked his game. I liked his game. He was in He was in on a sack. He didn't get credit for it. But uh, I liked his game. I thought it was in on plays. I thought he was pressuring Cam Newton a lot. I mean, a lot of players on the Bills' front seven were getting to him. Not necessarily finishing, but getting to him. Anyway, it's encouraging. This guy was a healthy scratch last week. And there was a lot of criticism criticism for that, including me, by the way. Not so much towards him, but more towards Brandon Bean. Like, what is going on with these second and third round guys being healthy and active? Doesn't look good for your draft record. And I understand Boogie Basham, again, not his fault, but organizationally, a lot of people have questioned why the Bills went defensive end and defensive end when they got holes in the depth at corner and we've seen with the interior offensive line, this year, there are a lot of different directions that the Bills could have went. They went back-to-back defensive ends, and I think that raised some eyebrows. And Bucky Basham, quite frankly, hasn't done a hell of a lot this year. But he played Sunday, and I thought he played well. So I think his stock is up. Another defensive end who I think his stock is up. In fact, not I think, I know it is. F.A. Obata. He only played 18 snaps on Sunday, but he had two sacks. And the funny thing is, he had two sacks, and he could have had one or two more as well. He had a clear shot once, I remember specifically, at Cam Newton, and he missed him. And I think he had another shot at him as well, but that's the kind of production you you need to get from a guy like him. He's not going to play a shitload of snaps, but you need that production. And A.J. Vanessa, I'm sorry, A.J. Epinesa, I'll get it right. Right now, he's out with COVID, but even if he's not, I'm not even sure what his role is on this team right now. And I think with Sunday's performance, whether AJ's healthy or not, I think F.A. Obata is going to stay in the lineup uh, in front of him. Another guy whose stock is up, and he didn't really have a great game statistically, but I like Dawson Knox. I thought he played well. Four catches, 38 yards, all in the first half. Couple clutch catches. Didn't go to him in the second half, but he continues to play well. The drops are maddening. He didn't have one on Sunday, at least not that I can remember, but He's played well this year. I thought he had another good game on Sunday. And I, I think 
Josh Allen and this uh, Sean McDermott, I think the confidence that they have in Dawson Knox continues to grow. And speaking of that, another guy stock up, I haven't even mentioned him on this podcast at this point, Devin Singletary. Played 65 snaps, 93%, which that is a huge number, huge number for the Buffalo Bills when it comes to running backs. That's the kind of snap percentage you expect to see from Delvin Cook with Minnesota. You know what I mean? Like that kind of player, the best run, Jonathan Taylor and Indy. Those guys who get 80, 85% of the snaps. That's obviously not been the case with the Bills, but he played 93% of the snaps, 22 carries, 86 yards and a touchdown. 22 carries for 86 yards, not the greatest numbers ever, but I, I think this was far and away his best game of the season. I thought he ran hard. I thought he broke tackles, which is something he has not done well all season. There's been points of the year where I feel like the first time Devin Singletary gets touched, he, he goes down, doesn't break tackles. Maybe I'm wrong. Analytics will prove me wrong, but that's what I see with my naked eye. But anyway, I thought he played really well. Matt Burita was the second running back and he barely played. And Zach Moss was inactive. And I think Singletary stocks is up. And I think Moss will probably stay inactive uh, going forward. One more two, a, a bonus stock up. Harrison Phillips, 44 snaps, 58% of the snaps. I think maybe he's taken over the starting DT spot over Star Lotule. Star was back in the lineup. More on him in a second. Um, Harrison Phillips has played pretty well. And he's going to be a unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So this is a contract year. I guess you have to worry about, is he having a good year in a contract year? Because we do see that a lot. Or is he just grown and become a a much more developed, better all-around player? I like what I've seen from him lately. Not perfect, but he's played pretty well. And I thought he was really good against Carolina. So those are my stock up guys. Stock down. I talked about him already once. I mean, Spencer Brown, he just... And again, I do not blame him. I'm not worried about Spencer Brown. I don't blame him. Maybe if he would have had a full week of practice at the left side, he would have played better. So again, the stack was completely decked. Er, <laughs> I'll get that right. We're not editing this today, folks. I'm gripping it and I'm ripping it. So if I fuck up, I fuck up. But anyway, with a full week of practice, Spencer Brown at left tackle, I would be more confident in him. Like if Deion Dawkins can't go this week and Spencer's getting all the reps at left tackle, I'll feel okay about him. Uh, again, I've liked him for the most part on the right all year, struggle a little bit with uh, speed rushers, and that continues to be a problem. But anyway, this one game, his stock is down because he was bad. He was the worst player on the field for the Bills. Eh. Yeah, he was. He was the worst. I have someone else in mind who's coming up next, but Spencer Brown was one of the worst players on the field for the Bills on Sunday, and that that's scary to think about. But again, I'm confident in him going forward. And I think if he gets the reps throughout the week at left tackle, I think he'll do at least reasonably well. But based on Sunday, stock down. Also stock down, and this is what I was trying to hint at. Tommy Sweeney. What a horrible, ugly drop. And he had a couple of bad missed blocks. Dude don't play enough snaps to have a negative impact on the game like that. If there's, you know, you could add to the list of Brandon being second guesses. And it's, look, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback five months into the season. It's easy to uh, get on a microphone and and be a second guesser. I understand that, but it's hard to fathom to me that the Bills had an entire offseason, that the Bills had question marks about their tight end one, Dawson Knox, going into the season anyway, but you have an entire offseason, you have camp, you've had, what, 14, 15 weeks now of an NFL regular season, 
and Tommy Sweeney. You can't do better than Tommy Sweeney as your TE2 right now. I really hope Dawson Knox stays healthy because there's not a lot of positions on this football team right now. And I didn't think I'd be saying this, but I am. It's, in fact, it's just coming to my head as I'm thinking about it right now. There's not a lot of positions on this football team where there's a bigger drop-off in talent from starter to backup than there is between Dawson Knox and, and Tommy Sweeney. I mean, the drop-off is alarming. Tommy Sweeney can't be trusted on this team anymore. So his stock's down. Um, stock down. Greg Rizzo, look, it's not that he's playing terrible. He only played 33 snaps, was it? Yeah, 43% of the snaps. Eh, that seems pretty on par for a, a Sean McDermott defensive end rotation. He's not making any impact plays. He Now, he is setting the edge pretty well, and he's playing pretty good against the run. Right? He is not a bust. I like Gregory Brazil. I think he's going to get better. And we knew when the Bills drafted him that he was one of those guys that's probably going to take the year two or three to really start to see you know, his skill set translate to the NFL. I think he got off to a very good start early in the season. He had three sacks um, pretty early on. Looked great against the Chiefs. Had that amazing athletic interception on Mahomes. But quite frankly, and this is going on for, I don't know, six, seven games now. I haven't really seen much from Gregory Brazil. I'd like to see a little more from him. So I have his stock down. Again, he ain't a bum. He ain't a scrub. He ain't a bust. He'll be fine. But right now, his stock's a little down. Uh, I mentioned Starlo Tutele. He played 22 snaps, only 29%. Now look, COVID, he's had injuries two different times. I don't know, man. Maybe the Bills are losing a little faith in him. What is that saying? And I know I'm going to screw this up because again, I'm thinking on the fly here. Something about availability. That's the most important trait you could have. And if you're not available, you can't be trusted. And I think maybe Sean McDermott is losing a little bit of faith of him. You know, Harrison Phillips outplayed him in production, even though Starr did have a sack, by the way, against Cam Newton. But I think as a whole, I think Harrison Phillips outplayed him. And he, and he had double the snaps. He literally doubled the snaps that Starr had. Now, maybe they were kind of easing Starr back. Now, that's not to say... You know, come next week against New England, I expect Sarlo Tutele to hopefully have a have a major role. But right now, based on Sunday and being out, I got to put his stock down. And then last but not least, look, I'm, I've already talked about him ad nauseum last week and a lot throughout the season, but I'm, I have to throw Tremaine Edmonds out there. And I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes at me. To me, you look at the numbers. He just had another one of those whatever, seven tackles, four solo. And then almost zero stats across the board with sacks, forced fumbles, you know, fumble recoveries, any real true tackles for loss, those meaningful plays. Look, Tremaine, to me, I'm sorry, man. Tremaine Edmonds is just not that good. He's only all right. He's all right to me. He's not a scrub. He's not a bad middle linebacker. But he ain't no pro bowler. He ain't no pro bowler. In fact, I tweeted about this. I kind of hope. Tremaine, I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm being an, an asshole, but if Tremaine Edmonds makes the Pro Bowl again this year, to me, that cements him, his status as being maybe the most overrated linebacker or defensive player in the entire NFL. Because your boy's just not a Pro Bowl player. He's just not. And he didn't hurt the Bills necessarily, at least against Carolina, but I still think he's trending down. And I'm going to keep putting his stock down every week because he is a Pro Bowl player. And I want to see my Pro Bowl middle linebacker make some Pro Bowl caliber plays. And until he does, I'm going to continue to put his uh, stock down 
every week. And I know, again, I know that's going to be unpopular, but it is what it is. I don't hide how I feel about this. All right, quickly here, big picture stuff. So look, Bills, New England, Sunday afternoon, essentially all the marbles in the AFC East. If the Bills win, all they got to do is they got to beat Atlanta at home and they got to beat the New York Jets at home. That's it. If the Bills beat the Patriots, essentially, they're going to win the AFC East. It's hard to fathom, and I know anything can happen, especially this year. But man, you got to play some awful football to lose to Atlanta. And you almost got to literally not show up to lose at home to the New York Jets, especially when you know that the division is, is going to be at stake when you play these games. Now, on the other hand, if New England wins, they've swept the Bills. Essentially, they've locked up the AFC East. They've prevented the Bills from winning the AFC East. And if the Bills lose, they're obviously going to have to win out and land in, in the Jets. And potentially, at least anyway, they're going to need some help as well. So this is, it's not quite a playoff game, but it certainly is going to have a playoff game feel. And for me, uh, the keys to beating the Patriots, I've, I've already talked about it. Deion Dawkins, they need him back. The Bills offensive line needs to be full. Well, maybe they can get by without Feliciano. I think Bacher can at least give him semi-competent play. And it's not like John Feliciano has been, you know, Quinn and Nelson at guard even when they're in there. But they need Deion Dawkins. They need him on the left side and they need Spencer Brown on the right side. That is a huge key uh, for me. Another big key is the front seven. They have to play really good. They have to do a better job of getting off blocks. They have to do a better job of tackling when they have the opportunity. You know, and this stuck with me. When the Bills played Tampa a couple weeks ago, Leonard Fournette post-game was talking to reporters, and I'm paraphrasing, but he pretty much said the Bills were pretty lousy at tackling. He wasn't worried about their tackling. And the Bills need to be much better at tackling than they were the first time they played New England, and they need to get off blocks. The front seven. The defensive line, and again. And you know what? Matt Milano as well. I don't want to completely forgive him. Tremaine Edmonds, he needs to get off blocks better than he has all year. They all do up front. AJ Klein did not play that first game, which normally you'd be like, well, who gives a shit? But AJ Klein against the Patriots who are going to try to run the football, obviously not as much as they did a couple weeks ago in Buffalo when the wind was swirling and Mac Jones could not throw the ball, but they're going to run the ball plenty. So AJ Klein, who was unavailable because of COVID will be there hopefully this time around. And, uh, Maybe he makes a difference. They got to get off blocks. They got to tackle better. They got to protect Josh Allen. I just talked about it with Deion Dawkins. That's the big key. Josh Allen needs time to throw the football, folks. You got to give him some time. You don't got to give him an eternity, but you got to give him more time. Because if you do, he's going to pick the Patriots secondary apart. He's going to pick any secondary apart. And with Gabe Davis in there with a bigger role, I think he will uh, he'll make a couple plays. Obviously, you got Stephon Diggs. The passing game is going to be key. I don't think the Bills can run successfully on New England. I know Jonathan Taylor did last week, but that's Jonathan Taylor, right? The Bills got to throw the football to win. The conditions are going to be far better than they were in Buffalo a couple weeks ago, but you got to protect Josh Allen. And then uh, coach to win, man, not to lose. I thought Sean McDermott and, and, the whole, and both uh, coordinators, quite frankly, were pretty lousy in Buffalo a couple weeks ago. I want to see them be more aggressive. I want to see more aggressive Brian Dable with play calls. I don't want to see Sean McDermott freaking punt the ball if they're down 14 on fourth and three in the second half. I don't want to see that. I think the Bills need to coach to win. And there is a difference between coaching to win and coaching not to lose. And trust me, 
I've seen a lot of it, not just in Buffalo, just in sports, high school sports, college sports. I see a lot of it. I want these coaches to coach to win. That's a key. And then the last one for me, and I know this sounds corny and stupid, but rise to the challenge. I know it's rise to the challenge, man, because I'm going to be honest, folks, let's be real here. Other than that, rising to the challenge is something that other than the Kansas City game, they haven't done it this season. The Bills, other than the Kansas City game, which everything looked great, they have not done it this season. The Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts, the New England Patriots on Monday night, elements or not, they were the same for both teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, those are four good teams beyond Kansas City, and those are four losses. Not a Tennessee game. I don't think they deserved to win, but I think they should have won. They didn't. The Indy game, they just got completely dominated. The Patriots game, the, the weather meant a lot, but I hated the way the Bills coached that game. I hate the way the Bills schemed that game. And then the Tampa game. Yeah, they played great. They came back. Yay. Okay. Don't forgive the first half, though. They had to come back and they got buried in a hole because they were horrible in the first half. So this is a big game. Again, essentially, it's kind of a playoff game. The Bills, simply put, have to rise to the challenge. And I think they can. I think they can. And I'll talk more about that with Joe on Thursday's show. But anyway, I want, I want to wrap up with this. A couple things, non-Bills from around the league. People are talking about these points. And I kind of, like a buy and sell segment. That's how I'll do it. I'll end this. Uh, I'm going to run a couple points off and then give you my quick take on them. Jonathan, here's one take. Jonathan Taylor should be at the very top or very near the top of the MVP race. I, I buy that. 1,518 rushing yards. He leads the next guy who's Joe Mixon by 424 yards. That's crazy. He's also got 17 rushing touchdowns. And he's also caught 36 passes for 336 yards and two more touchdowns. We saw what he did to Buffalo. And if you watched last weekend, you saw what he did to Indianapolis. This guy is playing at an MVP level. I don't think he's still going to win it though. It's a quarterback league. Quarterback almost always wins the MVP. Right now, if, if I had to bet as I taped this, I'd give it to Aaron Rodgers. I think Tom Brady was in the league, but getting shut out at home against the Saints on Sunday Night Football probably hurts his case a little bit. And the MVP race is pretty much a week-to-week thing. But I think Aaron Rodgers, as of right now, would win. But I think Jonathan Taylor, as of right now, should win. That's one point. Um, what's the next take here? Confident in calling the Arizona Cardinals fraudulent. I buy that too. They lost to the Rams at home in a big game a couple weeks ago, and then you lose to Detroit. Actually, they got blown out by Detroit. They got a lot of injuries. They're in a conference where I think Green Bay's better than them. I think Tampa's better than them. I think the Rams are better than them who are in their division. I think they're a game, half game back, whatever. I don't, I don't think the Cardinals are real. And I don't think they have any realistic chance to, to make it maybe beyond maybe one playoff win. Uh, next point, Miami will make the playoffs. I'm going to sell on this, but I will say that they won six in a row. They're up to seven and seven. And they finished with at New Orleans, who despite the Bills dominating them on Thanksgiving night, New Orleans has proven to be a pretty tough out. We saw Sunday uh, against Tampa. Um, so anyway, they're at New Orleans, they're at Tennessee, and they're at home against New England to win the season. I think to realistically have any chance of making the playoffs to build, or not the Bills, 
Miami would have to go 3-0. and They'd have to win out. And between New England at Tennessee at New Orleans, I, I definitely see one loss. So I can see them finishing maybe 9-8 and and missing. Uh, Dallas can't win a Super Bowl because Dak Prescott just ain't that good. Now, I, I buy that. I buy it. He's played like a middle-of-the-road quarterback pretty much all year. And I know that firsthand because on my fantasy football team, and trust me, I've said this on the podcast, I hate when people talk fantasy football. It fucking annoys me. But I've had him on my team. And trust me, he's been annoying all year. He has not been good. The Dallas Cowboys have every single thing you need to win a Super Bowl. Their defense, which is weird to say Dallas's defense is great, but they're great. They got maybe the best corner in the league. They definitely got the best linebacker in the league right now, Micah Parsons. They got the receivers. They got two great running backs. They got a good uh, offensive line. They got a good tight end, but the quarterback is not good enough. I don't think Dak Prescott, I don't even think he's a top 10 quarterback right now. So I don't think Dallas is going to win a Super Bowl, and I think it's going to be because of Dak Prescott. Uh, Two more points here. The Baltimore Ravens will miss the playoffs. Uh, um, that's tough. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm going to buy that. They're eight and six right now, but they've lost three in a row. So the wheels already are coming off. Injuries have decimated them, especially on defense. And now Lamar Jackson's hurt too. And then you look at their schedule. So they have at Cincinnati, they have the Rams at home, but still the Rams and then Pittsburgh at home to end the season. I think the Ravens right now, again, eight and six. They could easily lose two of those three. They could lose at Cincy, the Rams right there, that's two. And again, Pittsburgh is far from a gimme. They could easily easily lose two of those three and end up finishing the season at nine and eight. I could see that happening for sure. Last point here. I'm going to pre-apologize. There's a lot of Bills fans, they're going to want to hear this, but Kansas City is the best team in the NFL right now. I'm sorry, I have to buy it. I agree. I think they are. They've won seven in a row. Their offense, which has, it feels sacrilegious to say this, but their offense has stunk for a lot of the year. They kept afloat this year when the struggles were real because of the defense. The offense not played well. At least they didn't. They weren't running the ball effectively. And Patrick Mahomes, who I think is still the most talented player in the entire NFL, just some mind-numbing interceptions and also a lot of bad luck. Like a lot of fluky things went against them. Uh, the, the team felt like they were in turmoil, but they're not no more, man. They've won seven in a row. And I don't want to take away from that Bills win. Trust me, I don't. And I do think for the record, so we're clear here, I think the Bills could very well go to Kansas City and beat them again if they play them in the playoffs. I don't think the Bills winning Sunday Night Football in Kansas City this year was a fluke by any means. But again, not to take away from that Bills win, but let's not forget here, folks. This was a Kansas City team on that on that night. Chris Jones was hurt. He was out of the lineup. And we know what Chris Jones did to Buffalo in 2020. He murdered John Feliciano and Mitch Morse. They couldn't block him. But anyway, they were without Chris Jones. And not only that, Melvin Ingram wasn't even on his team when the Bills first played to Kansas City. He was still with the Steelers. He got traded near the deadline. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is good enough. I don't think maybe not necessarily they're they're not dominant. Like they've looked at times over the last month and a half or so, but they're good enough. They're good enough to get some stops. They're good enough to get some key sacks. And that offense is starting to cook again. That offense is starting to cook again. As long as they stay healthy, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. And I'll say this too. 
you know, I'm, I had Jerry Sullivan on a couple of weeks ago and a conversation came about where we said, if your life depended on it, who would you pick to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC? And he said, New England, and even a couple of weeks ago, I said, if my life depended on it, the Kansas City Chiefs. If my life depended on it right now, not what my heart wants, but like my life literally depended on being right and having to pick a team to win the Super Bowl right now, I'd be one, I'd have to say the Kansas City Chiefs, folks. I would. But anyway, it's going to be a huge game on Sunday. Buffalo, New England, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. I'm so glad I'm back in Buffalo for that. Of course, it'll be the day after Christmas, too. Hopefully, Bills fans are getting nice, belated, one-day belated uh, Christmas gift. The Bills win, because if the Bills win, hey, look, man, they're winning the AFCs. We'll see how that plays out. But anyway, again, thank you for joining today. I'm going to be back. Actually, I'm going to be back tomorrow, Thursday, this week and next week, Thursday instead of Friday with my man, Joe Yurden. So take care. Have fun getting in that last minute Christmas shopping. Enjoy the week, man. It's Christmas week. Try to feel good, man. Talk to you guys soon. Take care. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.